0: Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, it is so good to be here on this uh, very, very celebratory service that we have today. Actually, this is my very first time uh, at a uh, at a kirken of the Tartan, and I'm really excited to be a part of it and get to see everything that happens and really get to celebrate what it is that a, a kirken is about. It's it's about The church and about the body. It's about the family of God that in the diversity of families that existed, that they can all come under one place, one roof in their diversity to come together as the church of God. And it's also a a time of blessing, a blessing of the families and being able to see how God is moving and working in his people and that he would pour out a blessing upon them in particularly thinking about the strife and struggle, as, especially as we remember that this is also a service of heritage remembrance, about the Scottish heritage and how Presbyterianism really was born out of Scotland. And so we celebrate today and we celebrate his church and our reading today as we actually think about that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require." But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, for this word that comes from 1 Corinthians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. God, may it speak to us. As we think about your church, as we think about what it means to be the body, open our hearts to hear from you. God, make me little that you may be made great in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray amen now I don't know about you I'm sure nobody in here has actually ever experienced this but uh, I get aches and pains in my body all the time Um, they are terrible in fact many of the times the the biggest ache and pain that I get is I actually suffer from sciatica a lot and that's a, a pinching of the nerve in your lower back and it's a miserable experience in fact Sometimes it's so bad that it's, it's crippling, I feel the pain of that pinched nerve radiate into my leg, my leg will go numb, my foot will go numb, my toes go numb, and eventually uh, due to the pain as I'm trying to compensate for, for my back pain, I start compensating by putting more weight on another leg and then that throws everything out of order. My, that knee will start to hurt and eventually that starts to go up my back which will lead to my neck which leads to tension headaches and before I know it my whole body is in pain. And again I know that none of you can, can relate at all to, to experiencing body pains. I know all of y'all have great bodies and they're just perfect all of the time but, but I am sharing from my experience those hurt and those pains that happen in me and how my body responds to them, how one part of the body actually affects the whole. I can't just suffer an injury to my toe and not actually have a reaction to injuring my toe. If I stub my toe, I stub it, and then my mouth speaks, my face winces, my hand goes, ow, right? Like you, you, your entire body experiences the pain together, even though it was your toe that got hurt. And here's the thing about the scripture today, is that Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, is speaking to a church that is greatly divided. There is a lot of pain and tension in the church at Corinth. There are members that are actually suing each other over things. They're at war with one another. They have sin in their midst. There's sin in regards to sexual immorality among them. Incest even. My goodness, what is this church? They're arguing over who they follow. At one point in the letter, they're talking about, well, I follow Apollos. Well, no, I follow Paul. Well, no, we all follow Christ. (laughs) That's Paul's argument, but... Here is a church divided suffering in their midst people that have very big differences among them and they've brought them all to the table in the church and it's caused infighting among them and there's division and there's divisiveness they've created a hierarchy as if some are more important than others that There are a select few in their body, and they're going to be the ones that lord over all the others, and everyone below them and beneath them, their voice is silenced and doesn't matter. Their opinions are pointless. This is the church body that Paul is speaking to, and I know certainly that we don't experience in that church today, right? Certainly, we don't experience in the church today division and divisiveness. We don't experience church hierarchy. We don't think that there are people that think that they're better than or more than anybody else in the church. Certainly, that could never happen. And yet, actually, it's one of the greatest sins within the church is that we are so divided even among ourselves. And so this letter today, this passage today, I think speaks directly to us as we start our new series, Being Church. What it means to be a church member and how we can grow into being better church members. How we are the body of Christ. And God has called all of us into this union, into this unity, as what it means to be the church. And so today I want us to explore this notion that Paul is speaking about in his letter to the Corinthians. The first thing that I want us to see that as we walk through this letter, it is so clear that he is calling all of us to be a united body. To be one that is both unified and yet diversified. He actually says that the body is unique, that the church body is unique because it is diverse. It is called to diversity. Everybody in the church is called to their own uniqueness. And yet, even in their uniqueness and their diversity, they are not called to uniformity. The church is actually meant to be made up of a unique expression of faith in each and every person. That is part of what it means to be the church. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, just as the body is made up of eyes and ears, a nose, hands and feet and legs, and then everything internally, a heart, a brain, a liver, a stomach, lungs that breathe the air. All of them are unique in their own way, and yet they serve a function. They're all called to be the exact same, because if they were, what kind of body would we have? And so he actually calls us to the uniqueness of being a diverse body, not being called to uniformity, not all looking the same or looking alike. In fact, in Ephesians Uh, Chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, he says it this way. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, Paul is speaking to this church in Corinth and letting them know, look, in the midst of all of your diversity, in the midst of all of your struggles, of all of your differences, you are still called to be the church Of God To be the body of Christ. You are called to be so much more than what you think it means to be the church. You have to lay aside differences in order to be unified together. That's what it means to be the body. In fact, your diversity is actually what causes you to be a better church. It's your diversity that makes you unique and allows you to live into the fullness of the church that God has ordained to be before you. Specifically when he's speaking about these things he's actually talking about different gifts that each each gift that a person brings to the table. He had just spoken about the gifts in the beginning of chapter 12 and here we are at the end of chapter 12 every person is uniquely gifted in a way that they have their own role to play in the church body. And so we have this church body that Paul is speaking about in 1 Corinthians and we see that In its uniqueness, every part has its role to play. He says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It is the spirit of God that unifies us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. In fact, in the letter that John writes in 1 John, he talks about, the role of the Holy Spirit in loving your brother and sister in Christ Jesus, your brother and sister in the church. And he actually says that if you say that you hate your brother or your sister, you're actually saying that the Spirit in me does not resonate with the Spirit in you. That the Holy Spirit found in me isn't the same Holy Spirit found in you, and you've actually divided God. Which actually makes it more clear that Maybe the Spirit in you isn't the Holy Spirit saying, I love my brother and sister, even in their uniqueness and their difference. Here, God is calling uniqueness and difference out that it may be unified together. Actually, this is very clear in John 13, 35. Jesus uh, has this one uh, saying that we all are very familiar with, I am sure. He says, how... The world will know that they are his disciples. Well, how will they know? By your love. They will know that you are my disciples by your love. And it actually says for one another. Let's actually put this into some context and perspective. Jesus was saying this to his disciples, right? And among his disciples, he had Simon Peter, who is a fisherman, who is poor, impoverished, and then you have Matthew, the tax collector. And so you actually have a tension among Jesus' disciples where there's Peter, who's poor and probably having to give taxes, give his hard-earned money to Matthew, the tax collector, who actually is making a profit off of the taxes of his people because he actually sets the rate. He gives a percentage of it to the Romans, and then he keeps the rest for himself. So Matthew is super wealthy. Peter is super not. Matthew is actually stealing money from the people. Peter is trying to just earn a decent living to support his family. And so Jesus is saying to these two very different people that have tension between them, I'm sure Peter lives in anger that Matthew was chosen as a disciple of Christ. And yet, Jesus says, Look at your differences. The world would see you two together and think that you should be at odds with one another. And yet, the world will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Again, the body of Christ is meant to be diverse because it better shows the love of God to the world. Unity in diversity. The other thing that we need to know is that the body is actually a sum of its parts. As we look at verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. I think the first thing we need to see in this chapter is that Paul is saying is that there is no member of the body that is insignificant. There is no member of the body that is insignificant to the body. One cannot simply say that I do not need to be a part of the body because I am less than every other part of the body. In fact, he actually gives it as a comparison trap. He actually compares similar parts to similar parts. He says, uh, a foot's not going to say to the the foot is going to say, "Well, because I'm not the hand, I must be less than. Because a hand can do so much more than a foot. But if it wasn't for the foot, then the hand could never get anywhere. The same can be said about the ear to the eye. Right? It says that the ear, you know, a, a vital part of the senses to hearing, says, well, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. Well, how does that even make sense? The eye cannot perform the, the work of hearing. In fact, I would say that hearing is very important. It's vitally significant, especially when it comes to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's in the telling of the gospel that people can receive the gospel. So the ear is not less significant than the eye. I think one of the troubles in the church at Corinth is that there was constantly this game of comparison. Trying to figure out who was better, who was worse. worse. People feeling less significant because of their role. Because there seemed to be someone that had more significance in their role. And yet Paul is speaking to them saying, look, no, you've got it all wrong. There is nobody that is more insignificant. All are important to the body of Christ. All are important to their role in the church. None can be left out. All must be present. So there is none that is significant. The body is a sum of its parts, not the parts as individuals. The other thing about this passage is that it also means that there can be no part of the body that is apart from the body. What I mean by that? was well, quite simply, if I were to cut off my hand, um, I'm not going to, but, but if I were to do that, could the, could the hand survive apart from my body? No, eventually because there was no blood supply getting to it, that oxygen wasn't uh, going into all the cells within my hand, it would eventually wither up on this stage and we would all be looking at Austin's dead hand is on the stage. That would be freaky. But alas, what I, my point is that my, my hand could not survive apart from the rest of the body. In the same way, church, we cannot assume that we as individuals can be a part of the church apart from the body. Part of what it means to be the body of Christ, part of what it means to be the church, means to be connected to the body to be with one another, to be connected to each other. It was really easy in the pandemic, and even as we still face so many repercussions from it, I mean, I even got in the habit of, if I didn't have to be at the church, it was just so much easier to not go, to attend online, and actually while I was playing in the background, make some coffee, do some laundry, not actually participate in any of the worship. But the thing is, we can't exist apart from one another. We can't exist apart from the unity of the church body. We have to be with one another. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verses 24 and 25. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's impossible to stir up one another to love in good works if you are actually in the presence of one another. He says it's that we shouldn't go on neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Again, it is so easy to think that you can be the church on your own. It's so easy to think that I don't have to be connected to a church body to be connected to Christ. But the very fact of the matter is that God made the church to be the body of Christ. And so to be connected to Christ means to be connected to his body, which is to be connected to the church. Not only should we know that none of us is insignificant to the body, but we should also remember that no member is more significant to the body. In verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Quite simply, the truth is that No part of the body can be raised to a position of more significance than any other. Why? Well, because no part of the body is equipped to do all of the work of the body. No part of the body is equipped to do every work that the church requires. Not any person is actually gifted with every gift in order to fulfill the fullness of what it means to reveal the kingdom of God as the church. He actually says earlier in chapter 12 in verse 11, he says, All these, meaning all the members, are empowered by one and the same spirit, and the spirit apportions to each one individually as he wills. None are gifted to do it all. None of us have the capability to do everything that the church would require of us. And so part of being the body actually means that we have to see ourselves as Not more significant, but equally important to the service of God and to his church. We all have a role to play, and none of us can fulfill the entire role itself. I mean, just think about this for a second. From the perspective of a body, um, I actually heard this one time in a sermon, and I I loved it so much. Um, The thumb is a really important part of the body. I mean, the opposable thumb allows us to do so much. Um, it allows us to grasp things and hold on to things and clutch tightly to things and to make fists or or whatever it might be. The thumb is really important. But if we had a body that was all made up of thumb, one that would be very eerie. But two, it would be very ineffective. We wouldn't get very far if we just had a whole bunch of thumbs running around. We can't be a church of thumbs. We have to be a church that's made up of hands and arms and feet and legs and hearts and heads and eyes and ears and noses and mouths. We have to be a church that says there is no part that is more significant than any other part. Because the beauty of God's church is that in our unity, in our diversity of giftings, God is actually pushing us forward to reveal his kingdom more and more and more. The last thing that I want to touch on that Paul speaks about in this chapter is in verses 25 and 26. He says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I told you at the beginning that When my back starts to hurt, it affects the way my leg feels. And eventually when I start compensating for that pain, it starts irritating my upper back and eventually works into my neck, and then I have a headache. It's the same thing for the church. It should be that when one member of the church suffers, all of us feel that pain. The body of Christ is meant to be sympathetic toward one another. We're meant to feel each other's hurts. We're meant to feel each other's sufferings. We're meant to feel each other's pains. Everything that they go through, it means that we have to sometimes put ourselves in someone else's shoes and say, I don't know exactly what you're going through. I haven't experienced it before, but I want to try. I want to get to know what it is that you're going through. And I feel that in the church at Corinth, that was their biggest struggle is they had no sympathy or empathy for one another. They had no desire to know about what the other person was going through. They just wanted what they wanted and only cared about what they cared about. But Jesus, Jesus says, you can't be that way. Paul in his words, like you have to love one another in a way that takes care of each other, knows of each other's sufferings, But it's not just in the sufferings that you know, but it's also when one is honored and lifted up that there's rejoicing, that there's a joy to be experienced corporately. That in the best of times, everyone celebrates with one another. This is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to come together, to be built up, to be unique, to be diverse, to be unified in the Spirit of God. And so what does that look like for us each individually? Well, I think one, we have to take an assessment of ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, Lord, where in this area of being church am I lacking? Where do I not fully comprehend and understand that I'm not living into the fullness of of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And as part of that, you have to know what is my unique gifting. What is it that you, Lord, have specifically called me to do in this church? There are some of you that are fantastic teachers. Your gifting is to teach children, to lift them up, to encourage them, to let them know that the Lord Jesus loves them. There are some of you that are fantastic singers who have voices that I could never attain and you don't want to hear me sing. And yet, we need those voices to sing with us, to lead us in worship and song. There are so many roles that make up the church. There are those that are better evangelists than I could ever be, that have a heart for going onto the street and just talking to someone about their faith. That's an incredible gift. So part of our becoming one church is knowing what are the giftings that God has placed in my life. And so actually, uh, at, after this service today, you're actually going to receive an email if you're on our mailing list of a spiritual, health, uh, or a spiritual gift survey. And it's my, my hope that all of you will, will take that survey... And you'll figure out where your gift lies. There's 16 gifts described in Scripture. And so I'm asking you, as, as part of this church body, to take that survey. And next week, we're going to have a graph to see where our congregation lies as far as their gifts. We want to have a visual representation of the kind of uniqueness that we have in our church And so I encourage you to take that survey. It'll be in your email box when you get home today. You don't have to do it today, but sometime in the course of the week, figure out what it is that God has gifted you to do. The last thing is that in assessing yourself and figuring that out, then you actually plug yourself into the body. You actually then make efforts to say, all right, I know where my gift is. How can I actually apply it to this body that I am a part of? How can I be a better part of the church here at First Pres? Because as we become more unified in our diversity, as all of us begin to experience our gifts in the fullness of how God created us, then we as a church begin to reveal more and more to the city of Griffin who God is. We get to reveal more and more God's kingdom before the people that do not yet know him. We begin to serve better, love better. We begin to suffer better. We begin to experience each other's pain better, which means we get to care for one another better in ways that maybe we have failed and lacked in caring for each other. We begin to see every person as unique as important, and is playing this very significant role in God's body in the church. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to be unique individuals, that in our diversity, we do not conform to uniformity. But in diversity, we each have a role to play in your church to lift up your body and to become that which you have called us to be, a unified body of Christ made up of many members of God. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day and every day going forward that we become more and more like you as the body of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.